Blog Talk Radio. Crew Show. I am JT, a.k.a. The Master, and I'm joined by my esteemed co-host, the fellow Jersey guy, Jeff the Joker. We make up the FSP Crew Show. The number to call in is 347-637-3220. I'll run that back to you again. It's 347-637-3220. It's the place to be, because you heard this before. If you want to talk to Jeff or me, Got a great show in store for you today. We're going to talk about a little bit about college basketball. There's a little thing, a few things going on in college basketball. Talking about the end of the NBA season um, and uh, some news and notes in the NFL world. Um, but first, before I even get any uh, inkling of getting into any kind of subject, let's bring my esteemed co-host. My brother from another mother. He'd heard this before. Jeff the Joker. What's up, my man? <laughs> ah. Well, thank you for the introduction. Uh, how you doing, Jerry? Not bad, man. Not bad. Uh, you know, it's a, it's been a great week uh, weather-wise, and that's always, bring for most people, brings a smile on their face, makes makes a, they go a little bit better when, it, when it's not dreary out. Uh, the clouds are... Not out. It's a nice sunny day, nice warm day. My type of weather. Um, but let's talk about some college basketball first, Jeff. One of my favorite coaches. Um, he used to coach in the NBA. He coached in a few different venues before he settled down uh, in the state of Kentucky. Um, and I'm not talking about uh, Mr. Calipari. I'm talking about Calipari's mentor, Mr. Rick Pitino and the Louisville Cardinals uh, colludes its 2013 NCAA title and Mr. Rick Pitino will be suspended for the first five ACC games for the 2017-2018 season for failing to monitor his program during an alleged Sex for pay scandal, um, and the Division One committee infractions uh, on the infractions uh, announced this today, and Louisville supposedly going to um, uh, appeal it. But like I said, it's a strong possibility that Louisville colludes its 2012-2013 national championship and issued a vacation of basketball records in which student-athletes competed while ineligible for December 2010 to July 2014. 
This is a quote from the NCAA. The NCAA says the school must provide a list of games impacted by the decision within 45 days, and if ineligible players participated, the school could have to remove its banner and erase, erase the title from its record books. Excuse me, record books. To date, no national championship has ever been vacated in men's Division One basketball. Only Final Four appearances, according to ESPN stats and information. And also, the program is supposed to be on probation for four years. They also will face scholarship reductions and recruiting restrictions, a $5,000 fine, and the forfeiture of any money received through conference revenue sharing from the 2012 to 2015 NCAA tournaments. Now, Louisville self-imposed themselves from the 2016, I mean, 2015 to 2016 season, uh, from the postseason. So they, they didn't, the NCAA is not going to impose any further sanctions, a postseason sanctions on the Cardinals. All I read off there, Jeff, probation for four years, um, immediately fined a $5,000, which is really, really nothing. Forfeiture of money received between 2012 and 2015 um, in NCAA tournaments, that's a big deal. And uh, um, recruiting restrictions, that can hamper them recruiting, especially going against an t- um, uh, uh, in-state rival as Kentucky, um, and, and face scholarship reductions. And uh, last but not least, um, not just last but not least, another thing is huge, losing that that, that title that they had. And the other thing is Patino suspended for the first five ACC games. What's your thoughts? On, oh, I knew I laid a, a lot out there. So yeah. take your time. Give me your thoughts. You know, I mean, these things could get really tricky. Um, and the thing is, um, I don't think – Patino knew that this stuff was going on, but it's probably not an excuse. But the NCAA, they they act like the courts, but they're not the court because they don't have the same high standards for evidence. And, you know, I mean, uh, the kids that are on the team now, I, I don't think too many of them were on the team when that happened. Uh, so why punish them? But if that's the case, then a lot of teams would get over um you know uh you know i i don't know what the answer is you know you know what the answer is i think that and you know i'm guilty of it even though i'm not a huge college hoops fan is that a lot of people got the wrong priorities and college hoops is way too big you know but you know they're not going to scale it back you know it's not like all of a sudden Everybody in Louisville is going to say, you know what, we're right. We're going to go, we're going to change, we're going to become a Division Three program. That's never going to happen, you know. Um, and especially in a state like Kentucky, you got two powerhouse programs and no NBA teams. And that's, I think, one of the reasons why college hoops is so big down there, you know, because they don't have um, – you know, I think in the state of Kentucky, I don't think you have uh, any uh, – any major league teams uh, in any of the pro no. sports, they nope. got they got uh, L- Louisville and Kentucky hoops. I mean, you know, they got 
football, but the college football isn't as big. And they got the Kentucky Derby. That's it. That those are their big sports down there. Um, I mean, this stuff sounds like it got way out of hand with the with the strippers and the hookers and whatnot. But like I said, uh, I I I really think. I mean, Patino's no saint, but I don't think he had anything to do with it because I think he's smart enough to to not to associate with that. Um, but, you know, the, he had – but this was his personal – he had a personal scandal a few years ago, but that had nothing to do with the players. That was his personal life, which, of course, he got, you know, dragged through the mud on that one. But, you know, the thing is I, I don't like the NCAA – or the NFL commissioner acting like a court because they're not a court, you know? And the thing is they can make the decisions that could affect you like a court that could affect your livelihood and your money. So that, that I don't like that. that that's part of the hypocrisy. Yeah. I mean, the NCAA, some of the stuff they do, I mean, you know, they, they, for evidence, they'll use hearsay conjecture, which you can't use in a court. And they even to get information, um, different sport for uh, Miami football, uh, but it's still NCAA, they paid a convict for information. I mean, come on. Yep. You know? yep. I mean, but but yep. that's how the NCAA gets down. And if they want you bad enough, they'll, they'll, they'll dig up the, the worst quality evidence and they won't put you in jail, but you you could lose your job because of it and you could lose a lot of money. So it's, it's almost like, uh, you know, you know, it, it's like a criminal penalty, and and they're not a law enforcement body. They're nothing close to it, you know. Um, and uh, you know, it's funny because you know people compare and and occasionally confuse uh, Patino and Calipari. But Calipari's got good timing. He, you know, a couple times he he left right before the NCAA came to town. But uh, you know, I'll tell you, I like Patino. I mean, just as a coach, you know, and. When he coached the Knicks, he had them running and gunning. And I really liked the way he coached the team. And I think the problem is, I think he's a guy who likes to move around a little. And he's more of a college coach than a pro coach. So, you know, it was a nice little Patino era for the Knicks. But I, I really liked him as head coach of the Knicks. Really did. All right. Let's talk. Um, I'm going to meld the, the two uh, entities in basketball, talking about the NCAA and the NBA, because word is, and I think it's been going on for a little bit, um, especially now it's probably going to ramp up a little bit more um, because the NBA season is over, that the uh, one-and-done rule, meaning that what uh, uh, and you mentioned John Calipari, Who's one of them that who's thrived off of college players coming into the Kentucky program and spending just one year um, because that's the that's the rule that the NBA has put in place. Even though college college follows it, the NBA says that a player right now has to have at least one year of college basketball. Um, behind him, between 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 coming out of high school or place place somewhere else, on like maybe on foreign, foreign soil, like a, a few players have, um, but can't come directly from high school and the following basketball season 
enter the NBA. Well, I think they're having second thoughts about that. Um, there's been talk about that uh, um, they're going to push aside that rule uh, and allow players that are, I guess, I wouldn't say, how, how can I say it, that are deemed worthy by NBA teams, let me put it that way, to be um, um, able to make the transition like LeBron James, like a, a Kevin Garnett, or like a um, some other players that have Kobe Bryant that came from high school and, and jumped directly into the NBA and not um, spend a year in college just to pacify the NBA rule. What's your thoughts on that, Jeff? You know, rolling I'm back curious. That, rolling back that rule and just letting players, if they are able to make that transition, um, make that transition from high school to playing with grown men in the NBA. You know, I, I don't know what the answer is. I mean, uh, you know, I think unless you're a LeBron or a Kobe or an elite big man, I think a lot of these guys should, uh, you know, go to college at least a year. What I'm curious is, I mean, you know, I remember hearing the announcements, all the guys who were leaving college, and some of these guys, you know, were big-time stars. But there was a couple. I'm like, huh? I mean, what's the point of leaving college to be a second-round draft pick, you know? I mean, right. why don't mm-hmm. you stay, work on your game, move up to the first round, it's worth the trouble, you know? Um, and it makes me wonder, I mean, is college that bad? I mean, especially, we're talking for a scholarship athlete, college sounds pretty good, you know? I mean... I would think so, yeah. It's not It's not like making big money in the pros, but uh, I think I'd rather be a college star than a, a second-round draft pick and maybe not make an NBA team. Um you know, but the thing is, right? Um, too many guys have have come straight from high school or one and done who probably should shouldn't have. But um, you know, the fact is, you know, they're they're adults, and you know, when you're 18, uh, if you do something bad, they can lock you up. You know. You, you know, you're, when you're 18, you, you could join the Army, you could vote, you could whatever. And, um, you know, in other sports like tennis, you know, they got pros, you know, sometimes, you know, sometimes younger than 18, full-time, you know. Uh, you know, maybe they quit school. I think some of them, the younger ones, I think, might have had private tutors. Um, but, uh, you know, nobody cares about that. But, uh, you know... Historically, you know, coming straight from high school is only for real top-tier type talent. And I'll tell you, there's a guy, you know, and uh, he played in the NBA when I was a kid, and he's from North Jersey, and he's a guy who should have played in college, and that's, uh, you probably know, uh, Bill Willoughby. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, he he wasn't a big man, so he wasn't a Daryl Dawkins or a Moses Malone. And... uh, you know, he played in the NBA for a while, never became a star, and I, I think he later regretted, uh, you know, skipping college. And, 
you know, uh, I think he actually talks now to try to convince uh, guys to uh, play play in school, you know, to, uh, you know, go to school and, uh, you know. Um, but uh, but even like, I remember early in Daryl Dawkins' career, he was on a very talented 76ers team, and he was ticked off he wasn't playing, you know, and that's one of the problems with these guys coming straight from high school or with the one and done, then all of a sudden – they're on the end of an NBA bench and they're not playing. Um, uh, you know, is that benefiting them? But I guess now, I mean, maybe with some of these guys coming out of high school, maybe they could put some in the D league. But you know, I, I don't think they they want to put a guy making big bucks in the D league. I, I I don't know what their plan is. And, and you know, these leagues, they they you know they care about appearances. I mean, I don't think they care a lot about the players, but they, they want to look like they do, you know. Um, and I'll tell you, with with so many of these college guys, you know, the one and duns, it makes it a lot harder for uh, these NBA teams to draft because they don't have three, four years of college to look at, you know. Mm-hmm. So it makes it very hard to evaluate the talent. All right. One of the things that uh, happened over the past week, on Monday, is that the uh, Golden State Warriors, as I predicted, uh, won um, on Monday uh, their second title in three years uh, over the uh, Cleveland, Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, one of the things that or one of the people that had been advising or been on the uh, staff or whatever you want to call them, um, on the Golden State Warriors is the Mr. Logo. For those who don't know Mr. Logo is, that's Jerry West. You see the logo of the NBA. For those that don't know, that's Jerry West. Um, and he happened to be a, um, um, a, a uh, advisor to the uh, Golden State Warriors. Well, he's leaving his position as an advisor to the Golden State Warriors, and he's taken on a similar role with the uh, with the sad sack high expectations and low um low uh 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 uh, uh, uh low um um achievement LA Clippers and now he's going to be a an advisor for the LA Clippers um along with I guess helping Doc Rivers make better decisions or, or make decisions that would increase the um, skill level uh, of the uh, L.A. Clippers and make them uh, more relevant than they are. Uh, one of the over, most overrated, one of the, in my opinion, one of the most overrated teams in the NBA um, and reach, really reached a low point this year and getting bounced out by the um, Utah Jazz in the first round of the playoffs. Uh, Mr. Logo was going over there to hopefully do, work his magic that he worked with the Golden State Warriors or help work with the Golden State Warriors and see if um, Chris Paul and, and, and Blake Griffin and, and, and company, if they're still going to be there, who knows? Um, what what he may advise the uh, organization to do. 
can make a step up in the competition, especially getting into the uh, off season. What's your thoughts, Mr. Mr. Logo himself, Jerry West, one of my favorite players of all time. Uh, Jeff, I used to watch this guy. I was a Nick fan, but I used to anytime I was able to watch Jerry West. Um, I watched him because I just loved the way he played the game. Um, he had one of the sweetest uh, jumpers that I could ever ever think about um, seeing, and, and, and uh, uh, really loved the way he played. Talk to me. Um, you know, I heard it, and uh, Jerry West, all-time great player, also excellent executive, and, uh, you know, besides uh, being uh, general manager of the Lakers in the 80s, he uh, he uh, helped build Memphis a few years back. Then he went to Golden State. And, uh, you know, he, he if anybody could pull a few moves to push the Clippers over, it's Jerry West, you know. And a lot of the great players haven't been great coaches and executives, but, but he, he has been, you know. Um, and uh, if you haven't seen um, the new 30 for 30, uh, about the uh, Lakers-Celtics rivalry, you got to see it. And they get into the early years in the 60s and the early 70s when um, Jerry West was uh, starring for the Lakers, and then they bring it into the 80s, and it's I think it's a four-parter. It's really long. So it really goes into a lot of detail, which sometimes these documentaries, they don't. You know, they're geared towards casual fans. But this really, really goes into all the detail of uh, the great Lakers-Celtics rivalry. Okay. Well, it's been that season. Like I said, the NBA season is over. And there's been kind of a lot of talk out there that um, because of this now, in quotation marks, super team, Who's going to pair up or what stars are going to try to pair up to combat what the Golden State Warriors have uh, have done? Um, and it seems like it's fallen on the Golden State Warriors or they're the dreaded super team. Um, but uh, in my opinion, it didn't start with the uh, uh, Kevin Durant going to the Golden State Warriors. And if you look over time there have been players that have gone to certain teams to improve their chances of getting a title now most recently besides Kevin Durant a few years back LeBron with Chris Bosh joined Dwayne Wade and company to win a title. Now, quite naturally, most people have seen the video on when those three were together. They said not one, not two, not three, blah, 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 a certain amount of titles. Now, those two recently are, when I'm talking about two, I'm talking about uh, LeBron going to um, Miami because he couldn't do it in Cleveland and he got, got lambasted for that. But the LeBron lovers forget about that 
And when Kevin Durant uh, went to the Golden State Warriors, uh, were all up in arms because Kevin Durant just mimicked what LeBron basically did and went to a team that had some very, very good players on it to have a better chance of winning the NBA title. Now they're talking about it's going to be a dynasty. Who's going to pair up or triple up or whatever to try to offset the team that Golden State has in place right now? Um, And there's also talk of LeBron um, not staying in Cleveland, accomplish what he said he was going to accomplish in Cleveland and go into um, a couple other teams, one being the Lakers, and I heard uh, um, uh, from another show that it may could be the San Antonio Spurs. Jeff, does it make any sense or difference who goes where? And uh, just because a free agent is able to go anywhere he wants to go, and a team is willing to spend the money to sign a said free agent, should he be lambasted because he goes to a team that's got a lot of talent and he just adds to that? Talk to me. You know, I, I, I don't see what people's problem is. I think I know what the people's problem is. You know, I guess these guys are very easy to criticize because they're very well known. They make a ton of money, you know. But they make money because guys like you and me and a zillion other guys, you know, watch the games on TV and go to the games. But let's say, you know, people are still ticked off about Kevin Durant, you know, as a free agent signing with Golden State. It's like, hey, he fulfilled his contract with Oklahoma. So, right. which they should just call him Oklahoma. I don't know why they got to call him Oklahoma City, but that's another issue, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, you know. If he if he would have stayed, let's say, who knows, if he would have finished his career in Oklahoma and never won a championship, which is possible, people think, oh, you know, he's just like Patrick Ewing, great player, never won the big one. He didn't right. care about winning. He just wanted to get paid in Oklahoma. And, mm-hmm. um, but then, you know, uh, but then, you know, meanwhile, a zillion other guys are saying, ah, he couldn't win in Oklahoma, so he had to go to Golden State to win it. It's like, well, <laughs> you know, what is it, you know? It's like... You know, um, and it's funny because LeBron saying, oh, I never played a super team. It's like, huh, you you put together a super team. What are you talking yep. about? <laughs> you know, yep. Um, yep. I, I mean, you could say put together two, which I think it was. There have been other notable NBA super teams. But in recent years, when Boston put it together, when they brought in uh, Ray Allen and, and Kevin Garnett, that's what. I, when it started, teams thinking used to be we need two All Stars to win. Now it's we need three Hall of Famers to win. Um, mm-hmm. And even with that, I mean, um, but somebody had a theory, and it makes some sense. Like some of these people who were very critical of these athletes, they don't mind as much if a team trades for guys to create some type of super team, but the, for some reason they have an issue with players you know, signing as free agents and, you know, maybe using a little influence to bring in guys, which, you know, I guess they don't like to see players with that much power. But, you know, hey, they're like big-time movie stars. They're entertainers, and they have a little power, you know. Maybe some have too much, but that's not my business, 
you know, because, you know, uh, it, it's funny because, you know, Dr. J, all-time great player, um, he won uh, one NBA championship, won a couple in the ABA, but, you know, it's not quite the same. And, you know, if they didn't bring in Moses Malone, who had a lot to do with that championship, people would have said, ah, Doc never won the big one. <laughs> um, yep. But the thing is that um, that was a trade, but it was, uh, you know, back then it was um, the, the the Rockets matched the Sixers offer and then they worked out a trade. Um, so they traded to, you know, bring in uh, Moses. And the thing is with, you know, those Sixers teams in the late 70s and early 80s, they had a lot of talent, but probably didn't have the right chemistry. And then, you know, they uh, when they lost to the Lakers in the finals, uh, their, uh, you know, I guess Caldwell Jones was playing center for them. Uh, you know, he didn't look so hot. And uh, Dawkins, I guess, they had trouble with, uh, you know, with Kareem or whoever was playing uh, center because I think he ended up getting hurt towards the end of that one series. Um, and they, you know, at the time, you know, Malone was in his prime, and he was a killer on the boards, especially on the offensive boards. And, uh, you know, he was what they needed in Philly, you know. And, and uh, but, you know, there have been other, quote, super teams. But, you know, people are crazy. Like, people were even saying if the the Boston Big Three was a disappointment because they won only one championship. It's like, okay, right. I mean, for that franchise – and considering the, the caliber of players they brought in, one championship, maybe they aspired to a little more. But it wasn't like they stunk those other years. They were a great team for, I think, uh, two more years afterwards. You know? Right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, people are nuts. I, I just don't, don't understand it. All right. Um, we had talked about this before, Jeff. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna transition from the NBA to the um, to the uh, to the NFL, and um, talk about the salary cap and being tied to the salaries of players that are free agents um, and, and their, their contracts up they can't be um, um, franchise tagged anymore um, and um, they're free to sign anywhere they like and either stay with their team and sign a huge contract with their team um, or time with someone else, but and and I had talked about this before two weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken, uh, or was it on Monday, uh, Sunday? I forget exactly when it was. I think it was on Sunday when you called in, um, and I want to talk about it again. That the um, that I think that going forward, that players are going to try to incorporate their salaries into the salary cap so they don't get left behind if they sign a contract, say, tomorrow, and uh, the quite naturally the salary cap for the NFL team goes up every year 
Um, and I'm, I'm not exactly sure what the formula is on, on the percentage of each year, how it goes up, but it did go up quite a bit this year. That the salaries uh, 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 for players that sign with their teams um, have a cost of, and I, a wage adjustment increase according to whatever the salary cap uh, is and, and the percentage of that their salary uh, or, or would uh, um, be adjusted when the yearly after the salary cap goes up. Um, and quite naturally, this affects quarterbacks because they get paid big bucks, a lot more than any other position for the most part. So they get these huge contracts, 20-something million dollars, uh, 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 and it could be out of date in two years. And it's still playing in, on, in this, in this, on the same team. But two years from now, Derek Carr may be signed for $25 million. Two years from now, and it's just a hypothetical, Aaron Rodgers could be up for his contract two years from now. And gets maybe Derek Carr right now is a $25 million a year uh, uh, quarterback, highest paid quarterback. I don't know if he is or not, but if, highest paid quarterback in the NFL. Um, and he's going to get that same amount regardless of if the salary cap goes up or not. Two years from now, Aaron Rodgers signs, but he signs for – $27 million. So he, now he's the highest paid quarterback. And Derek Carr, uh, because there's more money in the salary cap two years from now, the team that signs him, more likely Green Bay Packers, and talking about Aaron Rodgers, can, can afford to pay him $27 million. Where the Raiders could afford to pay uh, Derek Carr 20, $27 million. If he was tied to the salary cap, um, his increase was tied to the salary cap. If it's not, he'd be in the same position as Aaron Rodgers is now. That's, he's making nearly $10 million lower than he could have been if he had fully accounted for what had been a 35% per percent hike in the salary cap since he signed back in um, 2013. What's your thoughts on being – and I'll just reiterate it. Well, regurgitated what I asked you on Sunday. Thoughts on, on, on their salaries being tied to the salary cap. I don't know if I explained it correctly, but yeah, I, I, I think, think you I got the gist of it. I, I think I know what you're saying. I mean, you know what? It's one of those things as a fan, I don't pay too close attention. Um, you know, I'll th- I'm, I'm just glad they don't have a number one picks and $80 million contracts now. Not that I have a problem with these guys getting paid what the market demands, but I'd rather see the money go into guys who've done more to earn it, you know. And, you know, the rookies, yeah, you know, the first-round picks, whatever, they still get paid well. But it's not like for a while teams didn't want a number one pick because uh, it it messed up the cap so bad. Um, But, you know, I guess this would be just uh, if if they would – have these uh, automatic adjustments, I guess that'd be just one more complication of a very uh, complicated cap. But, you know, as much as 
you dislike the cap sometimes it it does keep uh a lot of parity in the NFL so uh it's not all bad Sam Bradford for those who don't know was the last first round pick po- pre pre rookie uh salary cap uh the uh um uh salary structure that they put in place after sal- Sam Bradford at the following year and I'm escaping when Sam Bradford got drafted, but Sam Bradford signed for $50 million guaranteed, if I'm not mistaken. Um, no rookie quarterback or rookie, uh, first round pick since then has signed for some that astronomical uh, salary um, because they put a rookie salary cap in, in place. And the structure is depending on where you get drafted, you're you're locked into a certain amount of money, and you can't get any more or less. You well, you can't get less if you sign for less, but you'd be stupid if you sign for less. Um, you try to max out whatever position you got drafted in because you're locked into four to five years, and um, in most teams, unless you exceeded your draft position or exceeded your expectations, won't extend you or re re-sign you or the like, uh, because you're locked into a contract. Um, if so, I, I you know, I don't. I, I'm just wondering why it took so long for the players to come to the realization that hey, look, this salary cap is is is, is uh, um, it can be a, a beneficial thing to guys that are getting paid more. Um, past the year that they actually signed their that that their big contract, meaning that, just like I said, it's like a cost of living increase or adjustment or whatever you want to call it. Anytime the salary cap goes up, if you sign a contract that is linked to that salary cap, and you get a percentage of the of the boost depending on how you negotiated your contract and what percentage uh, increase you get, uh, it can be quite quite a bit substantial. Like I said, Aaron Rodgers could have made me making $10 million more. So it, it's beneficial to the players, quite naturally the teams, not, not, not the teams. All right, Jeff, I got another thing that, that's in, in, in football. And who is the Biggest superstar in football. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pose that to you. Well, Who is the biggest star in football? Not to a team, in football. Who's the biggest or greatest NFL superstar uh, right now? Probably um, Tom Brady. Okay. Um, I mean, there's a few others, but you know, he's the quarterback, big name. Uh, a lot of career achievements. I mean, there's a few others, uh, I guess, in the discussion, but probably Tom Brady. Okay. Well, the reason I'm saying that, because a, a certain receiver from the Giants recently proclaimed that his teammate, your favorite receiver, Odell Beckham Jr., is the biggest superstar our game has ever seen in the history of football. 
Now, I know he's a big star. Um, he probably could even be a bigger star if his attitude changed. But Brandon Marshall recent, recently proclaimed that it, the biggest star in football um, has ever seen in the history of football. It's Odell Beckham Jr. Talk to me, Jeff. Uh, uh, with all due respect, I think maybe uh, Brandon Marshall forgot to take his medication that day, and I'm not making fun <laughs> oh. of him for that. But uh, oh. I'll tell you, I mean, uh, uh, Odell Beckham's got a big enough head without uh, Marshall pumping it up. And we'll still we'll see if, you know, into the season when, you know, uh, Beckham is getting a lot of targets and Marshall doesn't get too many catches in a game if he's still feeling that way. Um, you know, uh, who knows? I mean, I, I can't stand Odell Beckham. I absolutely can't stand him. And, uh, you know, he's a great athlete. He makes big plays. But uh, he, he drives me nuts. And uh, if he acts this way before the big money, What's he going to be afterwards? You know what I'm saying? Uh, mm-hmm. That's what I'm worried about. And I hope the Giants put language in the contract to protect themselves if, you know, he, he does, you know, really dumb things or, you know, if he quits or, you know, uh, needs discipline, uh, you know. Um, you know, it, it's kind of like with Terrell Owens. I mean, I think when he was with the Niners in the beginning, you know, he was uh, a little bit problematic, but you know, they could deal with him. But then I think after the first big contract and then, you know, he got really famous, then he became impossible. And he cost himself a lot of money because teams still wanted him as long as he was productive, but he didn't get quite as much because not as many teams were interested. And then they always put the language in the contract so that the teams could cover themselves if there were too many problems. And, uh, you know, Beck, Beckham needs that. I mean, he's he's a real head case. Uh, I don't know what his problem is. He's just a real head case. Okay. Well, one of the last things I want to cover here um, is uh, um, back into basketball. Okay. And I think this is the first time it's ever happened. First time it has ever happened. I think you may know where I'm going for this. This is the very first time this has ever happened. Via multiple reports, the Golden State Warriors already have decided as a team to go to the White House. As as, as, as tradition has been that championship teams, whether it be in – um, football, Super Bowl, or college football, basketball, NBA, or um, college, um, that they would make a trip to the White House so the President of the United States could um, congratulate the team, get huge photo op, the team visiting the White House, blah, 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 blah. And this is a surprising thing that no one 
on the team. Well, it's not surprising. It is surprising, but it's not surprising to me that um, that no one is going to go representing the Golden State Warriors um, to the White House to, like I say, get that photo op picture with the president and whoever speaks to president and whoever speaks. What's your thoughts? Basically, what's your thoughts on that? You know, I mean, I have no problem with it. I mean, it's a relatively new tradition. I think it started with Reagan, where it became almost automatic, and, you know, it's become very big. And, you know, I mean, the the Warriors, you know, they got a lot of talent, but they're also, they're a team. I mean, you know, you got guys who are superstars who are willing, you know, to for their numbers to suffer a little to win big, and if they all feel like that, hey, it's a free country. They're not obligated to do so. I mean, there have been teams where there's one or two players who don't show for whatever reason, and I think too much of a big deal is made of it. But, I mean, Trump is very, very unpopular. Uh, I I mean, I can't remember a president so controversial. And me, I mean, whenever there's a guy, you know, or two who doesn't go to the White House, I'll think to myself, man, you know, I think to myself, you know, if my grandparents were alive, they'd be so proud of me to do something to merit going to the White House. And it's not like they're asking you to be in their uh, next campaign poster. But I guess, you know, for Trump, he's over the line, you know, and he just he rubs that many people the wrong way. So if that's the way they feel as a team, then, uh, you know, that that's that's their prerogative. I have no 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 issue with it. All right, I'm going to go from away away from the NBA. I'm going to go away from the NFL, and I'm going to go into the uh, ring where they go one on one, mano a mano, into the world of boxing. I know you heard about this. I think this is a joke, but I want to talk about it. A that uh, it's been set that the boxing match is going to take place in August 26th in Las Vegas, um, that the matchup is going to be uh, Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor going up. I think they're going to box in 154 pound, which is a little high for Floyd, but uh, I think that's the weight that's been set. Um, And uh, they're going to go at it. I mean, there's been talk back and forth about this um, and I guess disrespecting each other uh, to, so to speak. And finally, uh, whatever negotiations took place that brought this to fruition, it's going to take place on August 26th. And one of the, one of the contracts, one of the things in the contract is uh, that he's, meaning Conor McGregor is prohibited from going rogue and elbowing or kicking Floyd Mayweather. Now, he's a MMA or UFC type of fighter who's used to doing those type of things, and that is like habit. That's like, you know, that's just something that he does because that's what he trains to do when he goes up against someone in the ring. Uh, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but it's, it'll be kind of tough for someone who's trained that way and won ba- matches um, countless times that way 
to go into a boxing, just a strictly boxing match, and be able to box without having the temptation or the natural impulse to do one of the MMA slash UFC moves. What's your thoughts on the fight and everything I just re- re- talked about? Yeah, everybody's talking about it. I mean, to me, it's an exhibition. You know, I mean, and if you're gonna if you're gonna spend big bucks to see it on pay per view, uh, I think you're wasting your money. I mean, it's like, uh, you know, a, a sprinter and a swimmer. You know what I'm saying? So if if they're gonna have a race between on land between the swimmer and the sprinter, the sprinter's gonna win. You know what I'm saying? If they get in the water, then the swimmer's gonna win. You know, so. It's the boxer versus the MMA guy, but it's boxing rules. Boxer's going to win. You know what I'm saying? I mean, mm-hmm. uh, it's 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 an exhibition at at best. At worst, it's 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 a farce. Um, it goes to show you, you know, how 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 low boxing has come, yeah. and you know, uh, I I just. Uh, you know, McGregor's a very good self-promoter, and uh, you know, I mean, if these, if there's boxing champions who can't beat Mayweather, an MMA guy is going to do it. It's not going to happen. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I don't understand it. I, I, I don't. I mean, you know, it's like it's almost like in uh, Rocky Three, Rocky versus Thunderlips, which I think was actually inspired. Muhammad Ali had an exhibition against the wrestling champion uh, Antonio Inoki in Japan. Um, you know, uh, I, I I just I don't get it. I I, I don't get it. It's it just it's it's like uh, uh, you know. I mean, if they would have done, I thought maybe if they were going to do it, it'd be some type of hybrid or something. But you know what? Even afterwards, you know, Mayweather he's he's going to make probably the biggest payday of his career. I mean, I mean, um, McGregor. And, uh, you know, I'll say, hey, it wasn't my rules. And, but there's a possibility. I mean, they would they would probably, I guess they would take points away. Just out of reflex, you know, he gets hit hard. Next thing you know, he's kicking, you know? I mean, yeah. I, mean I know he's going he's gonna to train to box, but this is after years of being an MMA guy, you know? Exactly. Um, yep. So... Uh, you know, I guess they'll stomp him, and you know he'll lose points if he starts kicking. Um, you know, I, I, it, it just—it's apples and oranges, man. It's just I guess they're that desperate to, uh, you know, make some kind of big matchup. I don't get it. Well, you, you got to believe that the, the fight that most people want to see—that that's coming up—and I don't have the date in front of me. I've been trying to get the dates since you've been talking. Is uh, um, Triple G Gennady Golovkin versus uh, um, Canelo, uh, which should be a, a very good fight. Two hard-hitting guys, two guys that um, put on a good show. Anytime they get into the ring with whoever they get into the ring, it with, um, and uh, it looks like it may be sometime in uh, September, from what I'm seeing here. That's probably the morely anticipated most anticipated fight um, other than quite naturally um, uh, in August when Floyd Mayweather uh, versus Conor McGregor. 
uh, from one of the data I've got, got here is that it's going to be uh, the middle of um, September, not uh, September 16th. Um, and quite naturally, Floyd Mayweather is going to be a Showtime pay-per-view, which there's no way that I'm going to pay for it. But just like Field of Dreams, if you build it, they will come. Um, if you put it on pay-per-view, uh, some people, a lot of people will pay for it. And I can guarantee there's going to be a lot of people playing to see Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor, which I think is a joke. Um, but on Gennady Golovkin and Canelo Alvarez are going to be on HBO on pay-per-view. And I guarantee a lot of people will pay more, probably more money for that fight than the, previ- than the uh, previous fight with Mayweather and McGregor. So um, I will, if I had a choice, quite naturally, um, I would pay for the Golovkin and Canelo. Uh, but um, I'm not a big guy paying, doing uh, pay-per-view anyway. So uh, either I watch it uh, in alternate ways or I go somewhere and, and uh, uh, watch it for someone else that is um, uh, showcasing that at, at a boxing party or something like that. All right, Jeff, um, as usual, uh, near the end of the show, uh, I give you the opportunity to uh, rant and rave or express yourself any way you see fit for the amount of time that you see fit. And we've reached that time. So if there's anything that you've got that you want to get off your chest or that you wanted to expound to uh, the listening people, um, it's your time. Um, well, I think, uh, you covered all the bases, um, but funny, we didn't talk about baseball, we don't talk a lot about a lot of baseball, I don't know too much about baseball, but, uh, you know, uh, most of the NFL teams now, they're in mini camps, and, uh, they're getting ready for training camp, and, uh, uh, if you, uh, play fantasy football, which is what we're all about, you, you, you gotta get in shape, too, so, uh, you gotta get ready, you gotta do your homework, cause, uh, you know, you can't win it in the off season, but you could lose it in the off season. So yep. you got you got so you got to do your homework. So I've been doing my homework, and I, I'll tell you, part of my fantasy success, I I, I for lack of a better ter- term, I have a training partner. When I was a kid, I read a, a book or an article about Arnold Schwarzenegger, and he was talking about the importance of having a training partner. You know. And for him, it was someone who he'd go to the gym with or, you know, he'd work out mm-hmm. with. And I mm-hmm. got a buddy, and uh, we're not in any leagues together anymore, which works out well. And, you know, we share info, and we send each other mocks, and we, you know, evaluate them and stuff. And I'm telling you, that that really, uh, really uh, steps up your game. You know, and I remember one year, I was dragging a little, and he was kind of like, oh, come on, come on, you got to get with it. And then one year I did the same with him, you know. So, uh, yeah, I'll tell you, it really it really helps. And uh, I, I really think uh, it's really helped with, uh, you know, winning in fantasy is having that good training partner. Mm-hmm. Hey, uh, by the way, whatever happened to your your, your buddy Steve? Um, you know, uh, he um, – I guess he hasn't called in in a while. He's, uh, you know, he's good, you know. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, he hasn't called in in a while. So, but you know, I'm still, you know, 
tight with him. Uh, you know, I grew up with him and his brothers, so uh, you know, mm-hmm. I go way back with those guys. But uh, yeah, you know, I should. Uh, I'll tell them you were asking about them. Yep, tell, just tell them I said hello and. Um, yeah, we'll do. If he if he is available, call in because I enjoy uh, his um, conversation. So. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, so uh, yeah. All right. All right. With that being said, uh, I want to thank Jeff for, you, uh, for joining me tonight. Um, always a good conversation with Jeff and I uh, on Thursday night. Uh, tune in on uh, Saturday. Well, I'll be hosting the show. Victor is in transit um, um, to a new location, and uh, he'll be calling in the FSP show, 1 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on Saturday afternoon. And then on Sunday, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is the master plan where I host that show. Call in, same number, 347-637-3220, the number to call in on all the shows that we have. 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time is the master plan. I'll see you Saturday or Sunday, or even if you don't call in, people, I'll see you back here again on Thursday. That being said, it's time to go. See ya. See ya, Jeff. Take care. Gotta get dip. Gotta get dip. Gotta get dip. Gotta get dip, 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 dip. Gotta get dip. Gotta get dip. Gotta get dip. Gotta get dip. 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 That hits the beat to block, you can get that bass on below. I got that rock.